Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, just before we start this podcast, I want to just say a few words about a podcast partner that we have at the moment. Um, as you know that we have partnered with the wonderful application Spond, that's S-P-O-N-D, and I thoroughly implore anybody who's dealing with a sports team and organization uh, to at least have a look at the application, the Spond app. You can download it from iOS or from from the Android store and uh, it really encapsulates everything you would need for communicating, um, setting events, accepting payments uh, within a group setting or within any organization. Uh, the Spond app is totally free. As I said, it is uh, fully customizable towards your group, towards your, uh, towards your committee, towards your organization and um, it allows for easy an easy one-stop shop a, a place where you can keep all of your communications whether they be group or individual whether you can set up all of your um you know your events whether they be singular events or recurring events and as i mentioned it's a way uh, through the application where you can actually accept payments easily from members should you have a sports team where you need to maybe accept I don't know, uh, insurance money or membership fees or whatever the case may be. This is a really, really good application that can help you. Once again, that's the Spond app, S-P-O-N-D. I do use it myself and I would implore you all to take a look at it. So go download it now on an I- whether you be iOS or whether you be Android and uh, give it a go. So thanks once again for uh, to Spond for partnering with this podcast. And here is... The next podcast from For the Love of Paul McGrath.
academy coming through fast. We'll get back to Europe at last. Merry Christmas for the love of Paul McGrath. Hi everyone and welcome to For the Love of Bob McGrath podcast as we wrap up this year moving on to, well not really wrap up the year but we're getting close to Christmas I suppose. We felt that it would be it'd be great to have a guest on the podcast because I'm sure almost 12 months of just hearing myself and Patty natter on about stuff is, is, is draining. So over the Christmas dinner or whatever when I'm sure all of you will have us on your podcast players on your new Bluetooth speakers that you're going to be getting or whatever AirPods or whatever you're going to get for Christmas, you're going to want to listen to a podcast. And we said, we get the dulcet tones of the man that you just heard singing our intro song for uh, for the podcast today. We've got the wonderful David Scott. David is with us today. David is from the, from the uh, Irish Lions Club as well. And we thank you so much, David, for singing that song. You know, it's 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 something that you did for us last year, and we we really wanted you to to update it now that uh, we don't have Dino at the wheel, uh, and that there is a new man in charge. But uh, it's interesting because you did get Ashley Young right in the last one; you willed it into existence because he found his way back home. I did. Well, you we have to go and like listen to last year's one. So for all the you, I know you'll have got lots of listeners up in the last 12 months, but there was this bumper episode you did a year ago, which was yes. phenomenal, all these kind of famous uh, Irish Villa fans like Declan Pierce and all these interviews, and you know, and um, so I, I opened it with a a song of, well, I kind of, I'm dreaming of a top six finish, so this is, I'm still dreaming of a top six finish. I think you were going to play it uh, at this show, but unfortunately I said, uh, with Dino Gaffer and Gabby No Slacker, and yeah. Ash playing in the hall or something like that, you know. So, um, uh, so it was a uh, it was a bit out of date. But um, yeah. I'm still dreaming of a top six finish because you never know it might might just happen again. We seem to be on an upward trajectory, which is really nice coming into the the, the festive period. Exactly, and I think that I think the the games over the festive period should they go ahead will have a massive massive bearing because um, I think there's two ways of thinking of how. The what we probably call the COVID era of this this season will go, and um, while we will be down players ourselves, other teams will be down players, you know, too. So it's a case of maybe trying to hit a smash and grab against that team, and um, that's maybe in a small bit of disarray. And I suppose really, a lot of teams will be of the viewpoint that they'll just be thinking about themselves and just be thinking of number one first, and you can't really worry about another team's situation. But then again, we're not in the greatest situation. It doesn't sound like listening to listening to Stephen Gerrard yesterday. And Paddy, we're going to start with a bit of a bit of COVID chat before we get into the Chelsea preview. Um, but Paddy, talk to me about it. Did you get a chance to listen to the, Stephen Gerrard's presser yesterday? And, um, you know, he, he, he kind of frustrated and almost kind of, pissed off figure yesterday a bit in some of the things that he said. And I think that's the first time we've seen that from him since he's taken over Aston Villa. Yeah, and, and look, it's it, it's a difficult situation to be to be thrown into. Um, we'll yeah. get to the nooks and crannies about what he said later on. But, you know, I think first and foremost, <clears throat> as as you can hear from my voice, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I'm only just recovered from having COVID mm. and it affects everybody differently. And, all I can think of is there's whatever amount of players and staff um, 
you know, I know some of the coaches are probably my age, the players aren't. But I'm like I'm I'm struggling really badly since coming out of isolation on Friday. I I can't walk for more than ten minutes without having to stop. So things things are a little bit worrying. You know, you know he, he spoke about a guy sitting in his car with symptoms, mm. very worried on Saturday. And you know, I, I remember taking my lateral flow test, and I remember remember till the day I die because I just shuddered and went oh my God, I have this bloody thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've got underlying conditions, so I'm a bit different to everybody else. But my other half has no underlying conditions and she's struggling now as well. She didn't struggle when she had it, but she's struggling afterwards. So I'm concerned when you when you read about the likes of Alan St. Maxman and I think it was Dubravka, was it, at Newcastle? Carol Darlow. Was, Darlow, was sorry. Badly was hospitalised, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. the ventilator, apparently. So these, these like, I, I know I, like, I'm overweight. I play football three times a week, but I'm overweight. These guys are, are professionals, and yet they still come up, come with complications. You know, we've got we've got older coaches in, on the squad or on on the, on the coaching ticket that will will have contacted this over because we know there's three or four staff and coaches that that have had it. So my main concern is with them. You know, the football is secondary. Um, considering how the, the Premier League are dealing with it, the football is secondary because they they don't give a shit about anybody. All all they seem to care about is getting games on the TV and having something for people to watch and and pandering to the the TV companies, which is totally wrong in my opinion. So, you know, cut a long story short. I just I just wish whoever's had it the the best of recoveries because it's it's not the easiest thing to deal with. I know I know some people get over it straight away and go back playing football. And some of those guys are only out of isolation on Friday, as far as I know. So it's a big turnaround to get out of isolation on Friday. I'm sure they're training at home and doing what they can, but to go and play 90 minutes on Sunday is nearly impossible, I'd imagine. And I think I feel I, I feel a lot the same though. Thankfully, um, uh, you're out of the woods in, in, in as much as you can be out of the woods. As I say, you still have the after effects of it. And thankfully, I haven't got it myself. I had a PCR test during the week. Just had a few had a few potential symptoms. Had a PCR test myself. Thankfully, it was it, it was negative. But can't be too safe. And also, I suppose for myself, it was really just to kind of put my mind at ease if I'm going to be in my parents or my partner's parents' house and stuff like that, that I'm not going to be dragging it in there with me. But that's that that's immaterial, I suppose. But from, from the from the football side of things, um the you mentioned there there's like there is going to be we're recording this on on, on Thursday the twenty third and there is going to be a meeting I think today it is with between the Premier League teams and the the top brass because even though there was a vote to continue to see, continue the games, and I think they will continue the games. I think there's a small bit of an underlying backlash that they want to get out there. And they, I, I think, while I don't think there's going to be anything changed today, I think that the clubs really want to have their say. And uh, I, I would imagine Aston Villa are going to, be, going to be well represented at that. But in relation to a couple of the rules, I suppose, that, that the Premier League have brought in, um, with regards to that, you only need to have 13 fit players, of which one has to be a, a goalkeeper. David, talk to me about that. That, to me, seems madness. You know, like, there are some, like, that, that's under league stuff. Because, like, oh, have we 11? Okay, we can play the game. That's a bit mad in this day and age, don't you think? Specifically with player um, with player welfare. Or, or am I wrong? Am I too 
No, I mean, it's it's absolutely crazy. I mean, was there a game in Portugal there? I'm trying to go back through my notes that there was some team they had to field two goalkeepers or something like that and it was 7-0 at half times. So they called it off. I mean, it's just madness. This whole thing is madness. I mean, I look at um, Jordan Henderson's comments, you know, yeah. where he questions, do people actually care about player welfare? Player welfare? So, like, as... Paddy loses it there, then there's, you know, meetings going on and decisions are being made. It very much seems like the decisions are being made from the top brass. And are the players actually getting a voice in this? So we need to listen to the players. Um, and, you know, it, it, whatever about here in Ireland at the moment, obviously, it's, it's extremely worrying. Now, over in the UK, the, the cases have just absolutely, you know, exploded mm-hmm. and they're, they're going up and up and up. So, there is a, a thought that, you know, if we keep on going and having these games, they could be super spreader events. Um, and putting a team out just because you can shouldn't be what decides whether the match goes ahead or not. There should be a wider concern. And really, I know the idea of a bit of a circuit breaker was on the table. I really think they should take that into consideration now. And it, it shouldn't be about... You know, can they put 11 out? Do they have 13 players? It's absolutely ridiculous and just to me stinks. The people at the top, they've got deals with TV companies. They are, Okay, they had a rough uh, year and a half or so. Clubs struggled financially without uh, money coming in with, you know, attendances. But my God, look, look what's happening. Just the authorities just need to sit down and look at the case numbers. And I, I think the situation is like it has in other countries. It's going to get worse before it gets better. So I know we'd all love to have a really good festive season of football and sitting down on Stephen's Day and watching them watch us. But look, I mean, I, I think there needs to be a bit of a pause and a bit of breathing room. And I, I really hope that, I mean, I know you're going to do a piece talking about Chelsea. I would really like to see the game stop because, I mean, if, if it's lots of sides putting out their youth teams, under the circumstances, I don't know how much, you know, how entertaining those games are going to be. I mean, they'll certainly be unusual, but it, it shouldn't be coming to this. And it, that, that's interesting. I, I, I personally think that the time for a circle breaker has passed. I don't think we're, I think we're going to see games over. And I think uh, come hell or high water, these games will be played. Um, I don't think there's going to be anything. The, the time for the circle break was in there thinking of doing it for last weekend's set of games. Um, and and now that time has passed. So I, I think that I think that they can't uh, close the door after the horses bolted in this instance. Um, and I know there's going to be people here listening that are like, "Oh my God, guys, how can you how can you possibly say that games should be cancelled?" We're, we're not saying that. I suppose in an ideal world that would be the situation. Um, yeah. We see that Wales and 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 um, Scotland. Scotland are going behind closed doors with no fans. Um, and and. Oh, both of you guys mentioned their TV companies. The TV companies, you know, and the money that comes in from that will be a driving factor from this. TV companies don't lose out on anything when games are played behind closed doors. They haven't. So, in yeah. theory, when there was a game on every single night during the during the previous lockdown, I don't know. I'm not a financial expert. I haven't seen any any list of of viewer numbers or how those viewer numbers tally towards advertisement or whatever. But in my absolutely 100% uneducated view you would have to think that if there's more people watching games on separate days there's more opportunities for advertising therefore ipso facto you're making more money for me whether the games go ahead or don't go ahead aren't specifically tv the the because they they could say we'll do these behind closed doors and i suppose i'm not going to say everyone's a winner because the players could still be uh could could still be positive 
but the game still go ahead, the league wins, and people can watch the game on TV. And I think that's that's a happy medium. But then again, getting into the stadium is the release that people need because if you're at home swearing and going nuts in front of your in, in front of your family, that wears off very quickly. Whereas if you're doing it with forty two thousand other people in a stadium, it, it, it can work. Um, so I, I just don't think, and, and, and I want to see the games, I'm at the stage now where I just want to see the games played over, over, over Christmas, because I think if you start doing the jiggery pokery now, nobody's going to be happy. I think what you said was important there, that we missed the circuit breaker. I think we did miss the circuit breaker, but on the other hand, if we had have had that circuit breaker for two weeks... Do we stop the players being with their family on Christmas Day? Do they stop them inviting over? So I I do think there's inevitability about the fact that we will have a break after Christmas. It may not come on the 26th, 28th or 1st and 2nd of January, but I can see a two-week break somewhere that's going to have to be taken into consideration and the players going back into a bubble where they're only dealing with the people who are living in their household. Because like I know we've spoken about money I think from a government point of view, letting the sta- the fans come in is a bigger picture for them because they're they're spending money on transport, they're buying petrol, they're buying food, they're buying drink, they're buying train tickets, they're buying uh, everything. You know that that all comes back to taxes for the government. I don't think the football clubs missed out too much. They may have missed out on a, on a bit of uh, merchandise and and food and drink sales in in and around the stadium on match day, but I I think the lockdown was okay for clubs as such. I think there was some stuff put in place because the TV companies generated so much revenue that there was money given back for loss of earnings for uh, season ticket holders not being there and, and full houses and, and what have you. So I don't think there's a huge issue there. But uh, for me, it, it's, it's got to come down to people now above, above all else. I think because they met on Monday and said things will go ahead, I think we will see the Christmas fixtures fulfilled for those who can feel the team. But my biggest issue is, and, and, and Stephen Gerrard alluded to it yesterday, is that it looks like Aston Villa are being punished for fielding a young team against Barrow. That, and, that was my next piece for you, yeah. yeah. But that, that, that to me is... is <clears throat> that has really annoyed me. Like You you said it to me yesterday because you, you'd seen the, the press conference or seen the, the tweet before I had. And I was there going, that couldn't be right. And then when I heard him say it, you could see he was raging. And... I looked, I looked at Arsenal on Tuesday night and I, I went back and looked after the tweet yesterday because Arsenal are renowned for putting out kids in in, uh, in the Carabao Cup and, and whatever. And lo and behold, Arsenal had a near full-strength team out or a full-strength squad out anyway. So uh, I, I, I'm just, just, just on that because I forget to say it in a moment. Arsenal did play a couple of kids. and I, I don't think Arsenal would be the, the team that I would most point the finger at. Chelsea are the team that you that you were playing. Now last night they had to they had the likes of Harry Vale and so on. And but previous yeah. to that, the game that they played, they named less than a full bunch of subs specifically, so they didn't need to name the name on the twenty trees. The big thing there was that there was this thought process that the that the the Premier League would nail you and would say, well, if these people have played in a cup game, that means they're first first team players. Then it became. Uh, factual, and then teams then actually said, well, do you know what, we're going to start doing it now because there's no way around it. Um, and you might as well have these players as opposed to be looking for them. I, I don't think, I, I actually, to be honest with you, I, I don't think that punishes us in a way because 
uh, we like like the players that played that day. Cameron Archer has come on the Premier League already. Yeah, is he is he Danny Ings or Ali Watkins? No, but he's a viable player for mm-hmm. us. Carney is now part of the team. Jaden Philogene Brace. But when you look at it, it's Swinkles was on the bench that day. Lamar Bogard, I think, might have played that day. Hayden Lindley played, who actually, I really, really like Hayden Lindley, and I wouldn't actually mind seeing him come on for 10 minutes in a Premier League game to see what he's made of. Um, so I, I, what my, my thing is that the clubs weren't aware that that was going to be an, uh, a, a potential sticking point, and it was retrospectively entered in after the fact when these players were played. So mm. that's the thing that boils my proverbial. You know, I mean, is this the Premier League trying to find any excuse to get yes, the game yeah, going ahead? 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's just, I mean, they had a, a shareholders meeting, but I mean, I, I again, there was, was it the, the, one of the Liverpool assistant coaches, uh, he brought up a brilliant point that, you know, you should be talking to the experts. They're talking to CEOs and managers. Oh yeah, Pep Linders, yeah, he said it, you know, but the experts, they're, they're not the managers, it's scientists and doctors and we should follow their guidelines. So it shouldn't be about what the CEOs think. There should be a moment where everyone just looks to what's the prevailing you know, health advice and go with them. And then, as Jordan Henderson was saying, talk to the players as well. So the the way this has been handled, you know, it's all the people at the top. Maybe it's not necessarily the government the TV companies, but it is the CEOs. And that's wrong. It should be about the players and it should be about, you know, following the, do, doing what's right uh, in the in the long term. I agree. I just want to make a point in this podcast. And I think I think I can speak for all three of us here. Nobody wants lockdowns, wants no fans, wants games cancelled. We absolutely, no one wants that. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, it's the last thing we want to happen. The discussion is not advocating for it. It's just trying to talk about potentially what might be the right thing to do, whether we like it or not. Um, now, the, the league will come up and will make their own decision, whatever they want. The last thing we want, like, I am... I'm sick to the IT of lockdowns and stuff like that. But if they come in to help and protect us, so be it. I will. I, and and that's not what this podcast is about. But I think um, I think it is important to have the discussion around maybe you know where the Premier League is at this moment in time and the fact that they're having another meeting after they had a vote during the start, at the start of the week. Now they're having another meeting on the on, on the twenty third of third uh, of December when games are on the twenty sixth. You know what's that? What's going to come out of that meeting? Is it just a meeting so clubs can air their frustrations that have built up since then? Is there going to be more clarification of the rules? Is there going to be more implementation of rules three days before a game? I just think that the clarity uh, around what the direction is the only clarity of, of direction that's been there is that listen, lads, we're going to try and play as many games as we possibly can, and that's fine. But the contingency needs to be uh, needs to be communicated along with the parameters and how we're going to achieve all those games. And I don't think that has been done by the league to the clubs, or that it has been done to the fans. And there will be backlash one way or the other. And I don't think it's fair for fans to be upset at a team like Aston Villa for having to cancel a game if the clarity isn't coming and if nobody is, understands what 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 the situation is and what's supposed to be done because it wasn't nice last Saturday having the game called off two two hours before and we haven't we haven't been allowed to talk about it since um yeah. so so that's that's kind of um I, I think it's just important to, to to say that as well that because there will be people here listening and going why are these people calling for lockdowns and calling for the games to be absolutely not a, it would drive me crackers if they were gone over the Christmas absolutely yeah. <laughs> look in Ireland we had the longest lockdown last year it was with four the longest five lockdown months. I think in the world it is horrendous yeah. it's terrible for mental health so uh, absolutely I, anything yeah. 
but lockdown is what what we want. Uh, yeah. the same being. But and, and, and even the you know the, when we Scott, well, I suppose more more pertinently the the cancellation of games. Like we're trying to find a way not to cancel games because. I was I was pacing the house like a like a bull yes last last Saturday two hours before the kickoff and the game was caught up and I wasn't even travelling. Could you imagine the people that were halfway up the up the um the motorway? Like, we had ten just, people over from from the the Ireland going the, to the club over at the game who were there, you know. So and and I know someone who travelled over from Dubai. I'm sure Paddy has yes. stories as well of people he knows going over. So yeah. It, yeah. It, it it's it's so so tough on people who travel over for it is held off like that. So yeah. yeah. And, and, and let's, let's just just to back up what you're saying, the, the the most important thing, if there is any lockdowns, is that we can watch football, because I, I know for a fact that, that at this time last year we were heading into five or six months of a lockdown. At least I was able to watch Villa once or twice a week, and and it was able to occupy my mind and give myself something to look forward to. So it's important that football keeps going. Uh, I was lucky enough to get over a few times before things start really getting out of control and I pulled the plug on traveling. So that has been really good for my mental health Um, being able to get back and do what I would normally do. And, you know, football is, we, we keep saying what Jurgen Klopp said, it's the most important thing of the least important things. It's, mm. and that, you know, that will stick with me till the day I die, those words. It's, uh, it's, it's our release. It's, it's what we enjoy. And, and to have it over Christmas when, for the, for those in the UK, don't know that our pubs have to close at eight o'clock, so it's not yeah. much fun here at the moment. <laughs> so yeah. our our sessions start a little bit early if you want to go for a session. So, um, e even over the Christmas, we can't even go to the pub and watch Villa because the the Leeds match will probably be on too late, will it? Potentially, potentially. Yeah, yeah we don't know. We don't know. We'll, yeah, well, look, game, games games mightn't be on at all, but we do know that one game looks like it is going to go ahead. Stephen Gerrard mentioned it in his press conference. Uh, and uh, Boxing Day for you guys in the UK, St. Stephen's Day here for us here in, in Ireland, and wherever you are in the, in the rest of the world, I neither have knowledge nor the time to go down through the different names <laughs> of, the, of what the 26th of December is in all the different countries. But believe me, whatever they're called, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, you guys can be safe in the knowledge that it's the right answer for you in whatever country you're in. Um, <laughs> but we do have Chelsea coming up on, uh, on the 26th. Then. Look, usually we would talk about what changes would you like to see be made and X, Y, and Z. We can't, we can't do that. And the reason we can't do that is because we don't know who's, uh, who's positive, we don't know who's isolating and so on. But I think, you know, it, it, would, it would probably have to play into our favour the fact that obviously Chelsea have played two games since, uh, since we've played. And um, I know, yet, know last night that they did have their, uh, their kids out, or was it last night, two nights ago? They did have their kids out as well. Um, but, like, N'Golo Kante played that game. Like, there were some strange decisions made by Tuchel uh, in that game. They, they laboured to, to – and no, they were playing against Brentford, but uh, they, they kind of laboured through the game quite a lot. And, uh, and they did have to play, or they did play some – like, Kovacic played um, as well, from what I can remember. So, like, they're their two defensive midfielders. Is is that going to have a massive bearing on on things five days out? Because we don't know. Another thing that kind of grinds my gears about this is that we don't know what type of training schedules these people are on, or these these, these players are on. Not not the training schedules, but we don't know if training grounds are shut down or if there's limited contact and stuff like that. So it's very difficult to talk about games and and how teams are shaping up. But the only thing we can talk about is they've played two games and we haven't. Does that play into our favour? 
or does it not? Do you think, David, when we're looking at the uh, at uh, at our our twenty sixth uh, of December game coming up? Oh, it's, it's so hard to say. I mean, Chelsea. I mean, they had was it seven players tested uh, positive uh, mm. um, for the, in the build up to game against Wolves. So they're obviously still going to be all out. Um, still uncertain. Was it how many? Was it for Villa? I never thought it was six players for Villa. Um, never fully communicated. There was yeah. there was there was rumors yeah. online that it was as high as nineteen players, but I don't think that that was ever anyway true. We, yeah. we reckon. We reckon before before. Um, well, we counted them, didn't we? There was four that we reckoned were were positive in the lead up to Burnley. Did, did, we missed four against Norwich, didn't we? There was rumors that it was El Ghazi, Steer, Davis, Sanson. So. Those those guys, bearing in mind the change in, in the uh, rulings, should be back training already, because yeah. mm-hmm. they reduced it to seven days. So providing they're okay, they should be back training already. Seven days are very symptomatic, I think, isn't it? That's yeah. So and you have a negative test, and it's the ten days have passed now at this stage. So the, the, the ten days, even if they had symptoms, they can go back training. So we we don't know how they how they were how they were fixed or, or what and how many there was at the weekend in order to have the game cancelled but there was obviously a significant amount so as as i was saying the ones that were tested positive on friday if they're asymptomatic they'll be back training on friday but it's it's just a mess and it's very it's very hard to it's very hard to work out you know what what kind of team we're going to put out and um, who's missing are, are we going to be doubling up in positions are, are we going to have two goalkeepers out are we going to have our, our, our cover at centre half. Well, I know we saw Ezri Kondra interviewed yesterday. He looked fit and healthy, so we know he's one fit centre half anyway. Um, the the rumour was that the guy sitting in the car on Saturday that Stephen Gerrard was talking about was Emmy Martinez. So that's a worry. We don't want to be without him at all. But as we found out from Gerard, he, he didn't actually have it. He, he didn't test positive. He was if if it was that. like like like, and and this is a, this is probably my next question, but I'm going to pop it in straight away. Are we at the stage where boy we could probably say it to one or two players, like someone like Emmy Martinez, Emmy, stay at home, stay at home. We don't need you. Like like it's if he misses three or four days of training, and to be honest, there'll be a lot of rest days over over a Christmas period as well. Yeah. Like he does. Does he need to be in training? Neil, that's a brilliant point. At what stage is it a better option for clubs to say you do your training at home? Don't but specifically you- for the goalkeeper, because like he's because mm-hmm. like 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 where I, and I know there's going to be game planning with guys to kick outs and stuff like that, and what to do with corners and practicing corner routines. But realistically speaking, is Emmy Martinez at this stage now where he's too important for us to have him mixing with people during the week like that? And does he stay at home and do do they have those conversations via Zoom for him or for? Another player. Like, do can we box clever here? And I'm going go back to American sports because at the very start of the pandemic in the NFL, they designated so the NFL would have maybe three quarterbacks within their within their squad, and they would designate one of them to not come to practice, and they would stay at home and they would get everything via Zoom so that they would be in a bubble away, so that if everyone else got got sick, at least they'd have one quarterback. And and that's just that's the the um, importance of the position. And I wonder, is for us, is goalkeeper just that important for us at the moment, considering best best winner in the world, Jed Steer is a big drop-off of Emmy Martinez, and the academy goalkeepers are a big drop-off of De- Jed Steer. So we don't really have another viable mm. option 
for a, a prolonged period of time if Emmy Martinez goes out. It was just it was just an interesting one that just popped into my mind there. Are we yeah. are we at that stage for a moment? He, he doesn't he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would agree to that either. No, no, yeah. no, no. I think if he was fit enough he'd want to be there and have a, have an input into everything. He just seems like a leader. So uh, it, it may may or may not be an option. I know the, the training ground was probably closed for a few days, which probably helped as well. So um, it's just a strange situation to be in. It really is. We we like we're we're trying to preview a game here, where where realistically we could see Sinisalo starting a goal. We could we could see Cameron Archer playing up front. We just we just don't know because um, and Archer it, has form against Chelsea. That goal yeah. of a header he got. Yeah. But it's it's one of the, it's one of those things where we'll just we're gonna have to wait till till Sunday till till the team sheet tantrum and see what way we're we're gonna line out. And you're thrown into the mix, as I said. Mo like most footballers have their Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve because they don't want to be full of food going out to play the next day. So they're gonna mix with their family tomorrow after training. They could have in laws, brothers in laws, sister in law, whatever over for dinner. And it's just that that's when my worry is that if they're tested Christmas Day when they're training, we could see another raft of, of players uh, go down on St. Stephen's Day, Boxing Day. So is it's a strange it, one. Am I right in saying that I read somewhere and I could be completely off piste on this one? Did I say that? There, did I hear that there's a moratorium on testing from Friday because labs would be closed, that they won't actually be able to do testing on Saturday and Sunday of this week so that it would be. Yeah. And is that a recipe for disaster in itself? Yeah. Well, it is a recipe for disaster, but they will be able to lateral flow test. So oh, sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. correct. correct. Yeah. They can do that themselves. So the, I, I, th I think from what Gerard said yesterday as well, that PCR testing is nearly daily now at this stage. So obviously yeah, Christmas, did, yes, Christmas yes, Day yes, won't yes, be, yeah. but lateral flow is, is quite good at throwing up if, if, if they are positive. So they will have a good idea. Yeah, and look, I, I, in, there's... Uh, in my my sporting kind of, I'm going to call it my sporting schizophrenia that I have. Obviously, I want Aston Villa to go out and win every single game, but I do also have. There's a, like a devil on the other shoulder that says, "Lest this is fair, exciting, seeing how the young kids get on. If there is a situation where we have to throw out young kids, yes, we might be lambs to the slaughter, but let's see how they get on as well." And that voice is very dull, dull. But I think it's something that we should all be looking at today. But let's just say we have to try on the Jaden Philogene today. Why saying how good he is? So let's yeah. let's see it against the Leeds, or let's see it against the again. If it has to be Chelsea, it has to be Chelsea. So like, if they're good enough, we're going to have to trust them at some stage. And if it is only for mm. one game, it's only for one game. Like specifically for Chelsea, like we're going into this Chelsea game, I could see us getting a draw out of it. But based on previous with Chelsea, you know, the likelihood is that, that it's going to be a tough day at the office for us. But you have to win every game at home. Um, and if you can't win there with hope, you might as well go in there with excitement about a young young kid playing. Yeah. But I, I'm completely fine if if it's Jaden Philogene Bades or Carney or anyone yeah. who's been in around yeah. the fourth team, I'm fine. It's when it gets to the situation where we've no rightful or Sinisalo has to play in goal or uh, Philip Marshall has to play in goal. That's when I start to get a bit jumpy and worried at that stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and it's uh, it, it it could very well happen, and that's that's the worry. And, and, and that is to be jumpy about as well because yeah. you can't sign. An emergency like before, if you, if you had your three top goalkeepers out, you'd be able to sign an emergency loan for a month, like like famously we did with Gabor Karai. Now you can't even do that because you're bringing him in from another environment uh, from infection uh, reduction and stuff yeah. like that. You can't do that. So 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 it's 
Well, look, looking on the positive, I mean, it could be a situation where the club that has the best uh, youth system or the best young players coming through could be the mm. club that actually does best over this period. And sure, look at all the young players we have. So yep. it's possible that we could handle the whole situation uh, better than many of the other teams around us. Um, you just don't want to get to see a situation where there's one club that hasn't had an outbreak and they've got a full strength level. Yeah. And yeah. we have a situation where, as I say, we're, 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 we're playing, we've done right back and that. That would Our- just... Like, like, like you said, they're a club that hasn't had an outbreak or somebody like Spurs who get to play the whole Christmas period with a full-strength squad when we should have all shut down when maybe Spurs are United. And I'm not picking them out. I'm just just playing devil's advocate that other teams could feel aggrieved that well, Spurs got three games off or two games off. Now we're being forced to play through the Christmas period when it's a congested period anyway. Mm-hmm. And we've got young kids playing in the team and they're expected to play three games in 163.5 hours. Which is the which is the amount of time between all the the, the covers the whole lot of the games. So it's a really interesting yeah. point. There. And and you know what? Um, just just because we can't really talk an awful lot more. I suppose really about Chelsea and about and about COVID and stuff like this. And this has become a a, a bit more of a COVID chat. And, and it's Christmas, so we want to have a bit of crack at Christmas time as well. Let's let's lighten the mood because uh, we could go on for another hour about idiosyncrasies and stuff in the in the setup of the league at the moment, but. I didn't even tell you guys this, but we've got a quiz. So, uh, David, tough luck at you. You picked the wrong time to come on the podcast because uh, <laughs> we've got I'm a quiz. Embarrassed now with my lack of knowledge. <laughs> well, I'm not as good as Gabby Agbonahar thinking that Mount Snowden is a hundred thousand meters high. I don't know if we saw that. What one. did he call? He called it Mount Swansea, didn't he? As well, Mount Swansea <laughs> is a hundred thousand meters high. Yeah, yeah, that was a talk sport. Uh, Gabby, if you're watching, we'd love to have you on. Love you, uh, Gavin. Yeah, I, I think he's look. He's a shit star, but he's 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 it's it, he's great to have in the media for us. You know, he's uh, he's um, I like him, and I know I've got one or two Leeds mates that will be listening to this going, Gabby Agbonahar is the worst of the world, but he's winning the battle with Danny Mills at the moment. So uh, that's that's always funny to check in on. So we've got two two rounds, guys. Two rounds, ten questions in each round. I'm not going to make it too taxing. One of the rounds, I think you'll do well on the other round. Well, we'll see. First round is former Villa players and their transfers, but the questions will be around what team did Villa sign these players from? Okay, so everyone here, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we were all born when these players actually uh, signed back. <laughs> so that's a, that, that's a good sign. So there's no Pongo warrings in here or anything like that. Um, but let's go. So get pen and paper because I'm going to name and shame. I'm going to get you to name and shame your uh, your answers after this. And the first question is: Aston Villa signed Colin Calderwood from who? The wonderful Colin Calderwood. We're not calling them out, no. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. At the end, we will. Okay. Second question is: Aston, who did Aston Villa sign Simon Grayson from? Probably one of the easier ones on this list. So if you didn't get that one, maybe maybe you're in tough luck for the rest of them. Second one is Aston, who did Aston Villa sign Jean de McCoon and his wonderful jumper from? <laughs> Better than Stylian Petrov, of course. That's what that's what was said at the time. That's what was said at the time, and it didn't didn't pan out. We all, the next uh, question four, we all remember this fella and his absolutely amazing beard 
uh, nailed down captain position and the centre half position for Aston Villa. But who did Olaf Melberg sign for Aston Villa from? <laughs> who did Villa sign Olaf Melberg from? This is not going well. <laughs> <laughs> Next one, I think, is probably a difficult one. Well, it may not be because he's done quite a lot of interviews and uh, and um, he's a great guy and, and I'd love to have him on the podcast. Who did Aston Villa sign Sean Teal from? This, I'm happy to report this is a tiny bit before my time. Okay. I, I, it's, I was born, but I, I, I wasn't following. Oh, I, I was born. I, was born I, wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't there. I guess. <laughs> The only reason I know this is because I've heard him say it in interviews previously. They have played in the Premier League. Currently don't. I agree with you on that one. Okay. Oh, that was... I, now, hang on. Stop giving clues because I have a guess. So I think I'm... Okay. <laughs> next, next one is question six. Who did Aston Villa sign the absolutely wonderfully mercurial and one of the slowest players I've ever seen play for Aston Villa? Matthew Burson. Who did Aston Villa sign Matthew Burson from. There's a team to my to, to Matthew Burson and the next one as well. Uh, think of slow midfielders. Um, <laughs> question seven. Who did Aston Villa sign Gavin McCann from? <laughs> Gavin McCann. Did a job. In fairness, he did a job. I think in that, that season that we finished sixth under David O'Leary, he was probably, like, if he was out for a game, he suffered. He was actually one who went through a period of not training because he had this shin injury, I think, and they just keep on having to wrap him in cotton, cotton uh, wool. That, that rings a bell with me as well, yeah. That rings a bell with me. Next guy is currently playing, uh, I think he's with Cardiff, or maybe he might have just left Cardiff at the minute, but who did Aston Villa sign? Left back Joe Bennett from Jeepers. Wow. Joe Bennett, everybody. Oh, I completely forgot about the last. This would be great. The faces we're pulling if people are actually watching this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Second last one. Who did Aston Villa sign Rudy Gested from? Biggest aerial threat uh, in the Premier League since Alan Shearer, according to Tim Sherwood. <laughs> After he scored that goal against Bournemouth in the, in the opening day in 2016, I went, yeah, this is going to be a great season. Yeah, I said, oh, you know, it's a new season. We'll, we'll be grand. We'll be grand. Yeah. Actually, yeah. we were played off the park that day. We shouldn't have won. No, absolutely not. And I think it was Bournemouth's debut season as well. Yeah. Maybe yeah, a second season, right. maybe. I can't remember. No, and last, really, yeah, right. last but not least, we spoke about goalkeepers. We spoke about not having adequate replacements for goalkeepers. Um, back in the late 90s, I think it was, maybe early 2000s, who did Aston Villa sign Dutch goalkeeper Stefan Postma from? 
What's he famous for? There's going to be children potentially watching and listening. We won't go into that one. We won't go into that one. Got the last one. That's the last one for round one. Yeah, last one. So I'll just go down through the names again. So number one was Colin Calderwood. Number two was Simon Grayson. Number three was Jean de McCoon. Number four was Olaf Melberg. Five was Sean Teal. Six was Matthew Burson. Seven, Gavin McCann. Eight, Joe Bennett. Nine, Rudy Gestead. And ten, Stefan Postma. Right. Anybody confident that they have the right answer for question one, Colin Calderwood? My, I knew he played for this club, but I don't know if he went direct from this club to Villa. So he was definitely at Spurs. So I put Spurs down. Correct. Correct. Spurs is correct. The trick answer there is Forrest, because for some strange reason, not Colin Calderwood is well thought of in Forrest. And it's 1 0 Dave, because I had Nottingham Forest. Yeah, Forrest. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> Next one is a bit easy. Well, I think I thought it was a bit easier. Simon Grayson. Anyone confident that they've got that answer right? I, I do know because uh, it was Brian Little brought him with him. From Leicester, wasn't it? Correct. Correct. Leicester. We had, had Leicester as well. Leicester City. Um, third one, and he's fantastic jumper, Jean McCoon. Anyone I, I'm going to hazard a guess, and only because I'm never allowed to say this word on the podcast, but did we sign him from Brest? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I have a wild guess here as well. I don't know. I put Nantes down, but I don't know if that's right. No, we signed him from Leon. Leon, okay. Oh. Leon. Yeah, I used to always sign him for Aston Villa in a football manager as well, um, play defensive midfield. But uh, I must say, Paddy, great, uh, great, great opportunism there, Audio. Great <laughs> opportunism. Uh, Olaf Melberg, thanks for the memories. What did? Uh, who, who did we sign him from? Yeah, I do remember this. Uh, it was Gregory signed him, and it was from Racing Santander. Exactly. Yeah, Racing Santander. Sean Teal. Did anyone know that one? AFC Bournemouth. AFC Bournemouth is correct. Oh, well done. I guessed West Brom. No, AFC Bournemouth. Correct. Um, Mercurial Frenchman Matthew Bursan. Dave mentioned it earlier. Nantes. Exactly. Oh, I don't believe it. Nantes. I put the Nancy. <laughs> oh, no. Signed him from Nantes. Gavin nice. McCann. Who do we sign him from? Sunderland. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And he went down to play for Bolton afterwards. Uh, Joe Bennett. Only really had a cup of tea at Aston Villa. Didn't play that many games from memory. But who do we sign him from? Was it Middlesbrough? Correct. Oh, Middlesbrough. Well, no. Yeah. I'm not sparse, but no. Yeah. Middlesbrough. Uh, greatest aerial threat in the Premier League since Alan Shearer, Rudy Gestade. I think we signed him from Blackburn, did we? Correct. Oh, See, you guys are better at this than you thought. And last <clears throat> one, Aston Villa legend and soon to have a statue built outside the ground from Stefan Postma. <laughs> outside the ground or outside the strip club in town? <laughs> yeah, go outside that way. Well, what position yeah. was he in, Neil, again? Sorry. <laughs> I think I know this one. I, I don't. Like, I have a guess. You go, Paddy. I, ha I have a friend that supports this team. Is it the Graf Shap? 
It is the graph shop. Yes. I got this question wrong in a quiz, and it was the one, it was the only one I got wrong there two nights ago, or two, four nights ago. And I said ADO Den Haag because that's who we sold him to. That's my that's my uh, my excuse, and that's what I'm sticking to. Mm. Well done, well done. Some obscure players, some not so obscure players there on that list. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not counting any scores. You know, you're both. No, let's call it a, a draw score. Yeah. draw. because. The next round is really going to sort the wheat from the chaff. So next round is round two, and it's Aston Villa players, past and present. But what is their middle names? Yeah, it's a pure guessing game. So we get through this one. one very, very I, I know one because I bought his autobiography, but that's about it. I, 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 I think he's number. I, I'm nearly certain he's going to be number. The, the guy you're talking about is going to be number two in this one. So the first one is what is Dwight uh, Dwight York's middle name? Eversley. That's it. I won't get any more. That's it. I don't know. What what was... I guarantee you'll get one. You get okay. one more. The second one, question number two here, and I wanted to start off with two easyish ones. Stan Collymore, and I oh, actually yeah, know you say Everybody knows that one. Um, I buy. I'd buy you guys a holiday home in Spain if you can get Gabby Agbonahor's middle name. Oh, can I just show something? I actually, <laughs> oh my God, no, I don't have to buy you a... <laughs> I have it written down here. I'll put my finger on it. I have Gabby. Can you see Gabby? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have it written down. Damn it, I need to buy some of the holiday home in Spain. <laughs> so that's Gabby Agbonahor, number three. Number four, Andy Townsend. It's not as exotic as Gabby Bonlahor's uh, second name, middle name. And it's not as exotic as Eversley. Don't take me to a table quiz. <laughs> Tyrone Mings is next. Tyrone Mings is number five. Jeepers. That's a real guess. It'll be a real guess, I'd say. Ali Watkins is number six. Ali Watkins actually is two, and I'll accept either of them. So of all the names in the world, and and it's it's I'm going to call it, and without any disrespect to anybody who's got a name that I would class as maybe an irregular sort of middle name, this is a war from regular British sort of, uh, middle name. I think Ali Watkins' middle name is a football is named after a footballer. Don't know why one I have that in my head. An Arsenal footballer. One of them is. Well, the other one is as well, but he plays okay. uh, central midfield for either Barcelona or Juventus. I think he was wrapped up in a crazy transfer that was found illegal recently. Um, <laughs> yeah. Next one is number seven is our fearless leader, Stephen Gerrard. I'll give you a clue. If you if you're one hundred percent sure of Ali Watkins' middle name, it's Stephen Gerrard's as well. <laughs> so hang on, when we get the Ali Watkins answer, we know this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My dog is going nuts here. Sorry, I don't know. I, I think I, I remember this when you won the yeah. I think I think it was yeah. I'm gonna guess. Hang on, your your clue has just come through, Neil. Very very English. 
<laughs> yes. Um, next is one of our owners. I know I'm not going to ask you what Nassif Sawiris' middle name is. What was Eden's middle name? Jeepers. Yeah, and for all of you then, here's my dog. This is the guy that usually barks in the podcast. I don't know if anyone can hear it. Yeah, we've got the same, the same color beard. No, <laughs> ironically enough, or not ironically, strangely enough, my dog's name is Paddy as well, but he was named well before I knew Paddy. Paddy on the podcast. <laughs> uh, second last one, Danny Ings. What's Danny Ings' middle name? Jeepers. <laughs> okay. I think I have four. But <laughs> we've won more. We've won more. Okay, go on. Last one. What is Bertrand Traore's middle ah, name? <laughs> I've stopped writing things down now. <laughs> Bertrand Traore, what was his middle name? Right, and that is 10, 10 handy ones. If you don't get this, you're not a real Villa fan, I think, is uh, the moral of the story. <laughs> Dwight York, we know as Eversley. Eversley, I know that's not a biography. I'd have to say, if he's listening, it's not very well written. <laughs> well, it's... We'll see. We'll get him on the podcast to refute that in the future. Um, Stanley... Victor Collymore. Victor Collymore, yeah. Even now when I'm discussing him, it just automatically runs off the tongue. I call Stan Collymore Stanley Victor uh, regularly the whole time. Um... Gabby, go on, David. Have a crack yeah, at that. If you're on thing, I, I wrote down two players' names that I knew uh, like there at the start. <laughs> you told me beforehand. When, when I say knew, I wrote them. I didn't do a search. It, is it, it's Emutinian or something like that. Yes, Emutinian, yeah. Gabby, yeah. Yeah, and we get him on the podcast to pronounce it as well. I did, I, I, yeah, I, I had it written down here. I, I did a bit of research beforehand. <laughs> Andy Townsend. I think it's my name, is it? David. It's David, it is yeah. Andy David. Very good. Tyrone Mings. No. Joseph. Dion. Dion. What? Dion. Dion. Tyrone Dion Mings. Now, here we get to Ollie Watkins is George. It is Ollie yeah. George, George and Arthur. And so I would have got Arthur. that only you said that Stevie G's middle name is the same. It's the same, yeah. And Stephen is Stephen George Gerard as well. Um, uh, just a bit of premise to this, and I failed to actually get anybody who had the middle name I wanted. I was trying to find Aston Villa players who had the middle, all of them had the middle name Patrick, and not tell you until the very end as we were doing the answers to say, What's the middle name? Patrick, 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 don't, don't you? But I failed to get even one, so never mind. Uh, so then it just became this Wes Eden's. What's Wes Eden's middle name? Patrick? <laughs> Wesley Robert Edens. Danny Ings. Patrick? No. <laughs> I, I failed to get anybody. Uh, uh, William. Patrick, or Daniel William Ings. And Bertrand. Patrick. Tr no, it's, it's not. It's, 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 it's Bertrand Isidore. Or Isidore. Oh, it's off the tip of your tongue. Yeah. It's on the tip of your tongue, I know. Yeah. Know. Yeah. So for anybody out there who was looking for something that was actually useful in that round, 
Um, that's probably one of the most pointless uh, 10 questions you would ever come across, but uh, they might be ones that I hope made you laugh um, when, we were, when you were listening to this podcast, because we were uh, talking about some pretty heavy subjects pre- prior to that, so let's, let's, let's finish it up on, uh, on a better note. Um, can I say a couple so, of things before we go? You can, of course. You can, say, you can, of course. This isn't actually my, my podcast debut. I, I made it on another Villa podcast. So if any of the listeners would like to add to their repertoire, uh, check out Talk of the Trinity. I'll be on a kind of a discussion with uh, people from the Cayman Excellent. Villains and the Qatar yeah. Lions Supporters Club. And a couple of lads, they're Will and Baz. Just check them out on Twitter, at Talk Trinity. Uh, as O'Leary says, an honest bunch of lads. But the other thing, we talked a lot of thing, a lot about lockdown today. And so I've been listening to the show and I've been a huge fan for the last a year and a half, two years or so. Um, it really helped when we had that first lockdown. Like, I'm, uh, as you might have got from the intro, I'm a working musician. All my work just went, the fear and everything of the disease. And you guys started really banging out regular episodes every week when there was nothing else. So I'm sure other listeners will relate to this. It was a great thing for my mental health, just being able to go. I had to go on a jog because the gym was closed. You, episodes are about 50 minutes, so I was like, brilliant. I, I knew Paddy from the, the Lions Clubs, so I put it in my ears, went on a jog, forgot about all the madness out there and listened to you guys. So the fact that you got episodes out regularly at that time, it was huge for me. It was huge for my mental health, and it was. I just enjoyed it so much. And I just want to say thank you to you guys for keep doing it and keep going through and in a really difficult time. You did so much, and I'm sure lots of other listeners will relate to that. So thank you, Neil, and thank you, Paddy, for all you've done. Thanks. That's, 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 that's a wonderful thing to hear, David. You know, we, were, we were only doing it two for the shouting into, into, into an empty room together, really. But, uh, you know, that's, that's some really, really nice, nice words. Thank you so much for that. Thanks a million, Dave. Appreciate it. No worries. Keep it up. Great. Thank you. <laughs> and to anybody out there who is uh, listening in to this, you know, as I say, we've, we've spoke very, very little about Christmas. I hope you all have a wonderful Christmas or whatever festival you're celebrating around this time of the year. Um, I hope you really have a wonderful one. Um, you know, I hope all your family stay safe. Uh, I hope that, you know, everybody's in a, in, in a good place uh, over the Christmas period. And I hope Aston Villa, if the games go ahead, which you expect them to do, Hope they put you in an even better place over the Christmas period. And uh, I want to wish you all a happy Christmas, happy whatever anybody's celebrating at this period of time. And most importantly, I want to wish everybody a happy 2022. We will be back with more episodes over the next few days. We will obviously be discussing any games pre and post views. If any games are cancelled, we still put together something to try and get them out because, uh, you know, as I say, it's nice to... It's nice to have something to listen to um, over the over the festive period as well. So um, don't worry, we will be around o- over that period. But most of all, as I say, everybody stay safe. Have a fantastic uh, Christmas and you have an even better 2022. So on that note, I think all that's left to say is up the villa. Up the villa. Up the villa. Podcast Network.